Hello, welcome to the Central Christian Church Message Podcast. We are passionate about leading people to discover and fully own faith in Jesus. It is our desire that the following message inspires you to take your next steps in your own faith. Let's dive in. Well, as I begin the message today, I'm reminded of that one Easter morning that a conversation took place between a, a hen and a rooster on the side of a busy highway. And the hen said to the rooster, I don't know what's gone on, got, got into me, man. I just, I just have this incredible, uh, I just have this desire. I, I want to go out in the middle of that highway and lay an Easter egg. And the rooster said, no, you don't. That's crazy. But no matter what he said, he couldn't convince her that she didn't want to do that. And so he, she said, I'm, I'm going to go do that. And he said, well, listen, if I can't talk you out of it, there's just two words of wisdom I want to give you. Number one, what you do, do quickly. And number two, just lay it on the line. And folks, what I intend to do today, I intend to do quickly, and I intend to lay it on the line. Before I get to the message, really, though, I want to say happy Easter to all of you. So good to have you with us. Thank you for inviting us into your home. We realize it's a privilege to be with you. And uh, what, a, what an incredible day to celebrate. Now, we could talk about how this uh, particular Easter is different. Yes, it's different. We could talk about it's kind of disappointing. Uh, yeah, it's perhaps a little bit disappointing, but it's special. It's definitely special. And, and I just want to re remind you that even though, you know, the, the church is empty, the buildings are empty, the tomb is also empty. And so it ain't all bad. And uh, we're going to remember this, folks, uh, in years to come. We're going to remember that one Easter and so, so glad, again, that you're with us. Now, while I'm on the subject, let's just talk about uh, the, kind of the weirdness of this, all right? So for 2,000 years of the church's history, never has there been an Easter like this particular Easter, okay? Perhaps the closest you could come to what is recorded in uh, John chapter 20. Now, uh, you know, similar, but, but different, but not, not the same, but I mean, you can see it. Let me, let me show you the passage. In John 20, 19, it says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked for fear. Oh, wait, the heart stop right there. When, with the doors locked for fear, do you see it? That sounds familiar. The disciples are gathered inside and they're afraid and uncertain. There's danger outside that they're trying to avoid. They're disoriented. On that particular day, I want you to understand that there were no worship centers that were full of people. There were no choirs crying out anthems and praise of God. There were no Easter, you know, Easter clothes that were being shown off for the very first time. There were no jam parking lots and there were no lines to restaurants. But if you continue the verse, it says this. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Again, very similar. See, see we can't come together, but I want you to understand that Jesus comes to you and he comes into your home and he came to them to comfort them and he comes to you to comfort you. And so it's not all bad. Now, I, I do wanna say this, that this, this Easter is unprecedented, not just in the course of the 2000 year history of the church, but certainly in our lifetimes, we've never seen anything like this. Uh, you know, church buildings all over the world right now are sitting empty and it's an, it's an unusual time. It's just different, Lot, large crowds are not gathering and it's, it's weird for us. You know, you think about it, it was not that long ago, just a few months back, we gathered together as a church in the biggest single event we had ever done, the 60th celebration at uh, Chase Field. And here, just a few months later, we're all spread out and can't even be together. But here's what I want you to, it's different, but it's special, and we will remember it. 
Um, the, 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 what it is, is it's unprecedented. It's unprecedented. Uh, and let me just say something about the word unprecedented. You know, that word is thrown around a lot these days. Uh, I want to make sure we understand what the word unprecedented means, because I think it's an important concept. The definition of unprecedented is without previous instance, never before known or experienced, unexampled or unparalleled. We, we have talked about the coronavirus and how that is, you know, unprecedented. Never seen anything like this before, never, never experienced anything like it before. So in our church, uh, if you've been around uh, with us, you know that we uh, about three or four weeks ago started a series and we just called it Uncharted. Uncharted. We're in waters we've never sailed in before. We're navigating through things we've never seen. We have no maps. We just have to use our wits and we have to figure it out as we go. And so I'm going to continue that theme today um, as we just talk about that which is un uncharted and that which is unprecedented. Now, when we talk about unprecedented, there's an event that happened in our lives, an unprecedented event that most of us experience. It was about 20 years ago. If you're that old, uh, you, you, you're going to remember. 20 years ago, an event happened. It, we, we call it 9-11. Okay, it, it's an interesting name, 9-11. As soon as I say it, immediately you know what I'm talking about. You draw up an image. Uh, all of us who experienced 9-11 will never forget what we experienced Odd, don't you think, that we call it 9-11? We, we don't have a name for it. We just use the numbers. It, weird, the same numbers that we would call in the case of an emergency. It's just 9-11. And it's interesting because you remember the 9-11, but you always have to think about what year was that because we didn't even put the year on the 9-11. Was it 2000? Was it 2001? When did that actually happen? If you did live through it, it's permanently etched in your mind. You... You remember exactly where you were when you first heard about it. You remember the images you saw. You can't get those images out of your mind. Images of the second plane flying into the World Trade Center. Images of uh, all the buildings coming down, the people running. Uh, images of first responders that were running in. Those horrific images of people actually jumping from the upper floors just trying to find a way out. You remember all the rubble. You see, an event like that is going to be covered by the press, obviously, and everyone's going to see it from every angle. So you remember the event called 9-11. But my guess is you also remember the confusion that was surrounding that event. You, you remember trying to make sense out of it. You didn't, you didn't have a box to put it in. It was unprecedented. And, and, and because of that, you, you, you lived through it and you were just trying to find your way. You could say that your mind was oversaturated with information. There was so much coming at you, so many details. You couldn't correlate them. Uh, some details seemed to contradict other details as you worked your way through that. It would be strange if you asked 20 different people, hey, explain 9-11. You would probably get 20 different answers that they would come up with as to what it was. Pure confusion is what it was. I I'll never forget as a church I had only been the lead pastor for a short season before that thing happened. And uh, I, I remember uh, the, the, the sense of like, what do we do? If you, if you were there with us, you know that we only had the Mesa Worship Center at the time. And uh, we just sent a word out to everybody. We're going to gather tonight. And we're just going to get in the building. We're just going to pray. And we got in the building and it was 
packed. I mean, it was packed wall to wall. People were standing in the back. I remember personally having to get up and address the crowd. And they're looking at me as the pastor and saying, explain this to us. And I remember getting up and saying, folks, I, I just don't, uh, all I know is God and uh, God is good. And I know that he, he's got this somehow. And, uh, and sure enough, you know, we, we were able to get through that. You know, it's interesting though, this lack of precedent because nothing had ever happened like that. So, so they attacked us. And even if you say those words, you could put an emphasis on any, they attacked us. They attacked us. They attacked us. No matter how you say it, it just never made any sense. On our own soil in the middle of the day, who did? Why? What happened? And we tried to put it all together so it made some sense. But here's what I want you to realize. If you experience 9-11, if somebody tried to refute to you that 9-11 actually happened, you would look at them with utter disbelief. If they tried to convince you, they, they said, look, something like that couldn't even happen. Or, or they said, that never happened. You, you, you would, I like, have nothing to say in response. Like, what is wrong with you? Of course it happened. I want to, Put the idea out here that I want to just have us just wrestle with today. The idea is simply this. Never confuse the unprecedented with the impossible. I want you to just let that soak in. for Never confuse the unprecedented with the impossible. Just because something has never happened before, it, it doesn't make it impossible. It makes it unprecedented. And this is a very important distinction. What we had at 9-11 was an unprecedented event. What we have right now with the coronavirus is an unprecedented event. And what we have with the resurrection of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago is an unprecedented event. Jesus rising from the dead. Now, let me just say something about the resurrection. Uh, never before, obviously. But I want you to understand that Jesus predicted what was going to happen. He, 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 he taught his followers, and get ready for this. And yet, even doing that, they weren't ready for this. He did it multiple times, and you can follow this in the four different biographies of Jesus. But in the biography of Luke, let me show you the third time he said what was going to happen. And uh, let me just read it to you. It's Luke 18. Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we are going to go uh, up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He, he will be delivered over to the Gentiles. Get, get ready for this. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. It, its meaning was hidden from them. And they did not know what he was talking about. Could he have been any more clear? Could he have been any more specific? And yet when it happened, they like any, got any of it? Nope. Is it computing? Not, not a, none of it. You know, when Jesus died, none of his followers said, sweet, exactly the plan. This is exactly, none of his followers thought his death was a good thing. None, not a zip. In fact, we're told that it was so bad that his disciples fled from him. Uh, the picture we get in all four gospels of the, 
aftermath of the crucifixion of Jesus when he was in the grave, they were, the disciples were disheartened, dismayed, disappointed, disillusioned, dejected, dispirited. Need I go on? They were all of that. And then the weirdest thing happened. All of a sudden, they weren't. Like, what? Yeah, it's just like, like that, everything changed. Everything changed. They, there weren't any of those things. This same group of people suddenly became absolutely transformed with a power and a boldness, and they wanted to tell everything, everyone what they had seen. What happened? What happened? Well, two things happened. Two things that changed everything. Let me show them to you. Number one, they discovered that the tomb was empty. They, 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 they went, we read that passage earlier. They discovered that the tomb was empty. You have to imagine how shocking of a discovery this would be when it was unprecedented that this could ever happen. Nobody was expecting to discover nobody. Somebody began to try to explain to everybody that Anybody could have stolen the body. Well, this is the only way that anybody could explain nobody to everybody. Folks, the press would have been all over this. There had been cameras everywhere going, what happened here? Now, the second thing that happened that changed everything is this. They discovered that Jesus was alive. Not only was the tomb empty, but Jesus was alive. Jesus was alive. He was alive. How did they know? Because he started showing up places. They started seeing him. And, 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 and people, 15 different historical references to seeing Jesus, not meeting people, touching people, talking with people. He even cooked breakfast for some people. He was seen by as many as 500 people all at one time. A lot of people saw him. So would it be easy to refute that Jesus, see, if you only had one of those things, it would be a whole different story. If the empty tomb, but you never saw Jesus, you'd say somebody stole the body. If, if, if you saw Jesus, all you'd have to do is go to the tomb and produce the body and you go, look, it's not the same guy. But imagine trying to tell them, imagine trying to tell those who saw what they saw that they didn't see it and it didn't happen. Now listen, folks, everybody knows that dead things are supposed to stay dead. This is not difficult to grasp. Dead things are supposed to stay dead. Ken Davis tells the story of a, a lady who was looking out her back window and she saw her German shepherd just thrashing something back and forth. And as she was watching, she figured out what it was. It was, it was the neighbor's rabbit. He was thrashing it and she went, oh, no. she didn't have good relationships with those neighbors. And so she got a broom handle. She began to pummel her dog, getting him to drop the, the rabbit, which eventually he did. He dropped the lifeless body of this rabbit on the ground. And she went, oh, my word. She didn't know what to do, so she panicked. So she picked the rabbit up, she took it inside, and she washed it all up, and she took a blow dryer and fluffed it up and did everything she could do. And, and then she snuck into her neighbor's backyard and put it back in its cage and propped it up and snuck out, made it look alive. About an hour later, she heard just horrific screams coming from her neighbor. And she said, what's the matter, what's the matter? And she said, a rabbit, a rabbit. A rabbit died two days ago and we buried it and it's alive. Folks, we just know dead things are supposed to stay dead. But when it doesn't happen that way, you notice. You know, it's interesting. One of the unique things about Christianity compared to all other religions is that in Christianity, you can trace everything back to one particular event on one particular day. And it's the day of the resurrection. 
I mean, this is not true for Buddhism, Judaism, Islam, atheism. One day there's not a church, and then literally the next day there is a church, and suddenly there's a group of people who are running around absolutely excited to tell everyone what they witnessed. The unprecedented event that they saw happen. Now what's the big deal, folks? What difference does a resurrection make? I mean, that's always the question. It's, what does it mean? When 9-11 happened, that was the question. What does it mean? When the coronavirus hits, what does it mean? When a resurrection of Jesus from the dead happens, the question is, what does it mean? Folks, the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Let me just paint a picture for you. Three things that I think you could just, if, 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 these are just easy ways to get our brain around. See, three things the resurrection of Jesus means. Number one, that there is forgiveness available for your past. That's what the resurrection means. There is forgiveness available for your past. Number two, there is power available for your present. Forgiveness for your past, but power for your present. And third, there is hope available for your future. Let me, let me just explain each of these just very, very briefly uh, about forgiveness. In Colossians chapter two, we read these words. <clears throat> when you were dead in your sins and in the, you, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. We were indebted to God. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Let me just make sure we get this. Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross so you can quit nailing yourself for your sin. So you can quit nailing yourself to the cross. So I can quit nailing myself to the cross. Your debt is paid. Let me ask you a simple question. How long do you worry about debts that are paid? When you pay a bill, how long do you remember? How long do you reflect upon the fact that you paid a bill? And the answer is you don't. Paid bills never cause you any uh, heartburn. What keeps you up at night are unpaid bills. And we get anxious over, how am I going to pay that? You never need to worry about a bill that's been paid. Folks, the resurrection tells you that your bill has been paid. Your wrong has been covered. It's incredible. That's the resurrection. It's not just about your past, though. There's, there's power in your, in your present moment. Let me just say this about power. In fact, I want to take you to this passage, Ephesians 1. How in incredibly great is his power to help those who believe in him, who believe him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. The power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you? Absolutely, that's what it says. That's what it means. Uh, I, I don't know where you need this power in your life, but I guarantee you that no matter what you've ever done, no matter what mess you're in, you don't need as much power to get out of that mess as Jesus needed to get out of that tomb. I remember years and years ago when uh, I was a youth pastor, I was in a church in Yuma, and uh, myself and a, a friend of mine that was actually a farmer uh, out there in Walton, uh, we went fishing and uh, we went down to the, uh, the actually, wasn't technically Walton, but anyway, we went down to the Colorado River and we launched my boat in the Colorado River and uh, as we were uh, fishing, we had a great time because I heard this was a hot spot and you had to get through it. But to get into the lake, you had to go into a, uh, you had to launch in the, like a mud bog kind of a thing. It was just a mess. 
But the fishing was supposed to be so good. It was so, and it was so good. We had a fantastic time. But when we went to get out, we couldn't get out. Uh, and my, my, my car was just stuck in the mud. And we, we tried and we pushed and we did everything. I had a trailer, we had to get the boat and, and we couldn't get out. And then my friend uh, said, hey, I'll be back. And he, off he went. Uh, he came back with his tractor and he hooked the tractor up to the front of my car and just with so little effort, he pulled my car right out of the muck and my boat came with it. Now, l- listen, I don't know what kind of stuff you're stuck in. I don't know, you know, it's easy to get in, isn't it? It's hard to get out. There is a power available to you that uh, unleashes you from that which has held you tight. That's the power of the resurrection. The third thing I wanna say about this resurrection, what it changes, it's about hope. I'll show you a verse about this in just a moment, but you know, it's interesting. Um, If the coronavirus has taught us anything about us, it's taught us that we're scared of death. We're we're scared to death of death. And it's taught us that we don't like to think about death and we don't wanna talk about death. And if you think people wanna talk about death, here's what I wanna encourage you to do. Next time you have a, a dinner party, whenever we are able to do those again, whenever you have a bunch of guests over, just get them, get them all comfortable around a, co- uh, you know, a coffee table or whatever and say, hey, you know what? I was thinking tonight we could just sit around and talk about death. Like what happens when you die? And you see how that night goes. We don't like to think about death and we don't like to talk about death. They asked some children um, to write sentences about what death looks like. Like explain death. And let me read to you a couple of this. So Gilda, eight years old, said when you die, they put you in a box and they bury you in the ground because you don't look too good. No way to go, man, okay, that was one. Stephanie, a nine-year-old said, doctors help you so you won't die until you pay their bill. They wanna keep you alive. Uh, Marsha, age nine, said when you die, you don't have to do homework in heaven unless your teacher is there too. So I'm gonna be very careful, all right, about this. And then Raymond said, a good doctor can help you so you won't die, a bad doctor sends you to heaven. Hey, maybe something to think about right now. Now, let me show you a verse. 1 Corinthians 15, so powerful. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Do you see what's going on here? Jesus Christ is literally the precedent of a resurrection. It was unprecedented, and then he became the precedent, the example, the one that's showing us how this works. Folks, we can be made alive forever. Many people think of the resurrection as an impossibility. Why? Because it was unprecedented, and we don't know what to do with unprecedented. But we've said this before, make sure we get it. Never confuse the unprecedented with the impossible. You know, what the resurrection is, is that God brings us back to life. That's what it's all about. And, and scripture is so clear. Let me just show you just a passage or two. I just want you to see this. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. The old is gone, the new is here. This thing begins now. That, that there is a past and a present and a future 
God will forgive you of your past. He'll empower you for the present and he'll give you hope for your future. You, 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 you become a new creation, a new beginning. Um, have you had enough of your past? Are you ready for something new? This is what the resurrection offers you. In, in, in 1 Peter 2, it, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. What difference does a resurrection make? Hey, listen, man. Do you need forgiveness for something you've done in the past? Do you need power for something you're stuck in in the present? Need hope for what's coming in your future? I want to quote C.S. Lewis here. This is so good. C.S. Lewis said, if we let him, he had to say it that way, if we let him, for we can prevent him if we choose, if we, but if we let him, he, God, will make the feeblest and filthiest, uh, filthiest of us into a dazzling, radiant, immortal creature, pulsating all through with such energy and joy and wisdom and love as we cannot now imagine. God will do incredible things. You, you see, if rising from the dead is unprecedented in your life, God gave you the precedent that he wanted you to follow. You just have to follow in his footsteps. You open your heart to Jesus and you go after him. What does it even look like to do that? I mean, what? I want you to listen to these words and I want you to see these images and you'll understand what this rising from the dead looks like and is like. Pray with me. So Father, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds. Help us to understand that your unprecedented resurrection was simply the precedent that we were made to follow. We were made for this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our hope is that you are left inspired and challenged to continue to grow in your faith. If you are looking for more from Central, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. See you next time. Until then, go be the church.